But tonight, I'm going to talk about a character in the Bible that we all know. But tonight, I'm going to be talking in a way that I'm going to be talking as him. Tonight, I'm going to be talking as if I were the devil. I'm going to present some stuff to you tonight that we're going to go through. And if I was the devil, some challenges and temptations I'd put in front of you. And us as Christians, how we could overcome those. Brother Matthews mentioned it before, and I'm sure a lot of people's heard it before, but in 1965, Paul Harvey had an article that where he had a commentary that was named, If I Were the Devil. But the words of this speech, even in 1965, are true today. It's amazing how almost he could predict the future with what he said. So first thing tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through that, and then we'll, we'll start looking at more stuff in the Bible. So starting off, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and a four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I'd seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd said about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature, literature exciting so that everything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects but neglect the disciplined emotions. Just let those run wild until before you know it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and defy science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I'd killed the incentive of ambitious. And what do you bet I could get whole states to promote gambling as a way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism and moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public. I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I was the devil, I'd keep you right on doing what he's doing. 
And again, that was 1965 that that was spoken. It's amazing and unfortunate how most of those truths come through today. But as a Christian, it's the easiest way for us to fall, not fall for the devil, is to understand what he's presenting for us and how we can do better in our lives not to succumb to those temptations and succumb to his will. 1 John chapter 5 verses 18 through 19 tells us that the world lay in the power of the wicked one or the devil. He is the king of this world. Verse 18 says, We know that whatever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The reading tonight from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, we understand that the devil is like a roaring lion, that we're to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion. Seek him whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. He will try to deceive us by being something that he's not. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 even says that, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. One of the best traits that he has for us is to have us believe one way, but really... Another. He might cause us to think he's leading us to something beneficial, but in reality, he's leading us to destruction. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. God promises a way of escape from his temptations. And keep in mind, no temptation will ever be too strong that God will let put on us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 tells us that. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. You will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Temptations are common to us these days. Something that you're going through, somebody right beside of you or sealing this this church building today, baby, going through that same temptation. Don't think that you're the only one that has those problems. The devil was a liar and deceiver from the beginning, even in the Garden of Eden. But with God, we can overcome and win. So how does the devil work? He likes to twist God's word. He likes to create doubt by asking a question to doubt the work. Does it really matter? Does it really mean that? When you're reading the Bible, we will flat, he will flat contradict what God says. He will boldly and willingly lie. He will provide you with an alternative truth. Ah, you'll be okay. That won't hurt anything. That's not a big deal. So the next few moments, I'm going to hit a few topics here that things I would do if I were the devil. Paul Harvey mentioned a few of these I'll be talking about. So the first, if I were the devil, I would encourage people to question what God says and de develop doubt in your minds. I'd use the following truths that we all know as Christians, or even if you've been to church at all, you know these as truths. And we've been taught from a young age, but he'd tell us that those truths are wrong. The first truth we all know as Christians is that the Bible's accurate. Psalms chapter 12, verses, verse 6 tells us the purity of the word. 
And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. But I'd tell you that there's mistakes. Look how many versions of the Bible there are. Look how many times it's been handed out through the generations. It has to be corrupted. One other truth, God exists. If I were the devil, I'd tell you, how do you know? Have you ever seen God? Us as Christians, us as believers know that we can see God in everything we do and everything we see outside in the world. I would say one other truth. We should teach others. This is simple. This is the Great Commission as we're told in Mark chapter 16 verse 15. And he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But I'd say, why do you want to waste your time? It's too nice outside. Most of the time they're not going to accept it anyways. Why would you want to waste your time doing that for somebody who doesn't even listen? We all know too that God is all powerful. We see the creation He's done for us throughout the Bible, the works that He's done. But I would say as a devil, if He's all powerful, why is the world so corrupt? Why do bad things happen to good people? It's all His fault. If I were the devil, I'd start a whisper campaign. Paul Harvey mentions that, but I would start a whispering and saying things that I would want people to know so they would turn away from God. I would, do just, I would do this just to have people leave God and start to do what they wanted to do. This would even include religious leaders in the church, unfortunately. Just remember it as we talked about earlier, the devil, he could even appear to you as an angel of light. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 through, verses 15 through 20 Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 through 20 warns us about this same kind of talk. It says, "Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are fiercest wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes for the, from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit." A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Pay attention. Study your words so you know when you're talking with somebody what kind of person they are. I'd say it doesn't really matter which church you go to. Someone goes as long as you're a good person and love Jesus, you'll get, you'll get to heaven. We all know that this is wrong. But here, I'm trying to misplace your love. People today can sometimes love more than they are taught than what God says. This could be false doctrine. They can love their traditions more than what the Word says because they don't want to remove that. They can love their religion more than they love the Lord or God. I would mention that they all teach good lessons and no matter where you go, it's fine. But that's not true because we have churches, so-called churches today that preach that same-sex marriage is okay. We're taught that there is another, there's only, we're taught there's only a narrow way to heaven. It tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, narrow, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, 
and there are a few to find it. But if I was the devil, I'd teach you that all people are going to heaven no matter your religion or what you believe. But again, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one, of, each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad, will all be judged in the end of days. I tell you, though, if you're a good person, do good deeds, that you are in a right into heaven, you'll get in. But we all know that we can't go to heaven by works alone. We can only go to heaven through God's saving grace by coming in contact with the blood of baptism through repentance and living a good Christian life. God only helps those who help themselves, is what I'd say. But Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12 tells us we can ask for help and how a father helps his children. Verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks will it be opened. For what man is there among you that if his son asks for bread, you will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, now know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. We all need God's help. Just like I mentioned earlier, we all have temptations. We'll all need God's help in the end. But don't worry about it, because after you die, you'll just be reincarnated. Well, we know that's not true, because Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. The Bible, though, it's just another history book. Just use it just like you would a social study book or a history book you'd find in the library. <coughs> but how many of those history books do you know that have prophecies in them that was predicted hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of years before they actually happened? Before they actually came true? But if I were the devil, I'd also plant doubt wherever you had faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We must have confidence that God created us in his own image. We see that in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Faith is something that we must have to keep hope as Christians. If we don't have faith, then what do we have? But we got to have faith because like I mentioned earlier, the devil, I'm going to tell you that why do you believe in God if you can't see him? Romans chapter 8 verse 25 says, But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We eagerly wait for that chance to get to heaven one day. We have a hope to get into heaven. The 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Our faith can help. As James chapter 5 verse 20 says, 
It'll help us get somebody back to God if we have that faith and showing that example. It tells us, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-9 through 9 talks about a fruitful growth in faith. But also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. We must speak with boldness, and us as Christians, we should not apologize for stuff that's in the Bible. We have the confidence, we need confidence when we're speaking the word. And that we must speak faith, not doubt. There's no place in the church or our home for doubt speak. And what is doubt speak, you say? Well, doubt speak is, could be, maybe, possibly, are you sure? That's doubt speak. Peter had faith, has faith and was able to walk on water until he lost it. So Jesus questioned Peter's faith in Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. He said, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? We should have faith speak instead. God said it, so it's true. We know the power of truth is John chapter 8 verse 32 and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The world may believe in a relative truth or reality but what God says is still right and true. Wrong is still wrong no matter when, no matter what, what age we live in. If I were the devil, I would say that traditional church as it is cannot grow anymore and it needs to be more modern and do, existing, do exciting new things to bring others into church. Ben Franklin, not the founding father, but a preacher in Ohio around 1879 was in a debate with a man wanting to bring instrumental music into the Lord's church. That guy's argument was that they needed to have it or they would keep they would not keep their young people. Does this argument sound familiar? We hear this same debate a hundred years later, right? I'd say uh, the church is dying. Currently, the church is among the fourth largest in the number of congregations in the U.S., around 13,000 buildings. Between 1980 and 2007, approximately 12% of the memberships declined. But overall, there's approximately 331,000 congregations in America. An overall decrease between them all, 20%. The trend leads, though, overall that, unfortunately, not that they're leaving the church, but that there's just no religious preference anymore in America as a key to declining membership. Since the turn of the century, the percentage of U.S. adults with no religious affiliation has more than doubled from 8% to almost 20%. If we plant the seed of the word as Christians, we'll be fine though. We don't have to worry about the church declining as long as we stay true to the word. 1 Peter chapter 
1 verse 23 says, Having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. The word of God will never change. But if I were the devil, I'd want you to be godless. Godless, what do I mean by that? I'm not talking about not believing in God, period. I'm talking about not taking God seriously. I'm talking about when you hear ungodly, when we hear ungodly now, we think of something being wicked. But that can, but that can come from us if we don't take God seriously in our lives, even as Christians and people here in this auditorium today. We would become fools, and fools do not believe in heaven or hell. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Titus chapter 3 verse 3 tells us, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. I just say, just ignore what God says. Don't believe or have faith in Jesus or what's right in the word. It's okay. Like I mentioned earlier, you just have to be a good person. But Romans chapter 10 verse 17 tells us that so when faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we know in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, if we don't have faith, we can't please him. It tells us, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we know in John chapter 8, verse 24, we must believe. It says, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. In John chapter 8, verse 32, it tells us to know the truth again, and it will set us free. I would just keep you from ever studying and gaining new gaining knowledge in the word I'd keep you on the milk because if you're not knowledgeable in the word how are you ever going to pick out my followers in, in the crowd of sheep's clothing how are you going to gain knowledge to help bring lost souls and go unto this world and preach to all nations without growing and studying in the knowledge of the word the devil wants to offer a counterfeit belief to us that one really one religion is as good as the other. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5 tells us though that the scripture tells us that there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. But it doesn't believe what it doesn't matter what you believe, people will say. God wants to wants us to believe what is spoken. But the the devil knows what Jesus says on judgment. I'm not foolish. I know the scripture. Just Look what I did with Jesus and the temptations. And that I quoted scripture just like anybody else. But if I were the devil, I would poison your relationships. I'd tell you not to worry about your neighbor, worry about yourself. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29, we're taught that we must forgive each other through challenges. It tells us, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessity necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers I'd say ah, your happiness is the most important thing I would promote jealousy and envy I'd promote gossip about people that didn't agree with me or your ideas 
I'd make you get I'd have you get even with people and keep a chip on your shoulder. I'd make you slow to forgive. But James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 explains, "Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil there, evil thing are there. But the wisdom that <coughs> but the wisdom that is from above is pure is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. But I would, try, I would plant evil thoughts in your mind. Get your minds in the wrong. Just look what I did to Judas. Finally, if I were the devil, I would make you insensitive, insensitive to sin. I'd make it so you did not care what you do and be calloused to it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the fertility of their mind. But we need to understand that the devil doesn't care about anyone or anything but himself. Everything he does is for him. I would make you change the way you look at sin though. I'd tell you that abortion is not murder. I tell you, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, how you think, etc. I'd cause you to soften up to sin, and I'd cause you to start accepting it versus judging it. I would cause lies to be told about the Bible and what Scripture says. I'd say sprinkling's okay for baptism, and I would wait until the, you can just wait till you have enough people in a group to get baptized. I'd cause you to think that pointing out sin is being judgmental and wrong, that you shouldn't do that. You'd know, you would not want to be like that, would you? Be claimed, be somebody who's judgmental. But today the world is quick to go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, though. Judge not that you be not judged. But John 7, verse 24 tells us to judge with righteousness. It says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteousness judgment. People say, well, Jesus never called anyone a sinner. But if you've read Matthew chapter 23, it tells us another story where Jesus and the Pharisees, and he calls them hypocrites. Jesus loves sinners. He would often send them away and just tell them to sin no more. We should love, this, we should all love the sinner and not the sin. So which is better? An immoral person that doesn't believe in sin and lives how they want to live or to repent and from those sins seek forgiveness from God. That is what is offered today as we come to the invitation part of the service. As we read in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, it tells us we must hear. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. John chapter 8 verse 24 tells us we must believe. 
Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe I am he, you will die in your sins. We must repent. In Luke chapter 13, verse 3, I tell you now, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You must confess, as Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your hearts that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 says, There is also an antitype which also saves us. It's baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We must repent and be baptized for the remission of our sins in order to be in that narrow way that they talk about and be Christians in His sight and be forgiven of those sins where we can have that home in heaven someday. If you're not a Christian and you've not been baptized tonight, I ask that you come forward. We have a baptistry here ready that we can... We can take care of that for you tonight. We won't wait. If you are been baptized, you are a member of the church, but you strayed away, you've listened to the devil too much, or you've let this world come between you and God, I ask that you come forward also as together we stand and as we sing.